0: Look who I found. Hello. It's so good <laughs> to see you. Did you miss me? So much. I mean we like Carlos just fine, but I missed you a lot.
1: I I missed you too. Um I was gone for a little bit, but your boy is back. um. Yay, yay. So let's do this. I'm sorry thing. I did that. <laughs> yeah, what? I don't know what that was. <laughs> wow. I was excited. I was just so
0: excited. Like, I was, I'm going to be your hype man. I'm going to run behind you all the time. Just like, yay, yeah, yay. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, please throw back. Someone,
1: someone, please. I will personally hit pay him with car. you $10 each time you do that. Like, for oh. me in public. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm going to be rich, 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 rich. <laughs> Welcome to QBT. I'm Shawnee. And I am Maddie Germs. And we're two queer babes talking about mental health, pop culture, and you know what? Whatever the hell else we want.
0: Whatever the hell else we want. You can't tell us nothing. Mm -hmm.
1: Trying to talk slick, all up in my ear and shit. (laughs) What's up slut, how you doing? Um, Where, how is your air quality? My air quality is, I guess an AQI of zero is good? Yeah. Okay, then it's at zero. Yeah. Nice. How's yours Uh, doing over there on the other side of Portland?
0: We're doing great. Um, You know, we moved into the good zone, I think, a couple days ago. So... Being able to breathe fresh air, so nice, so clean, so amazing. I was
1: gone the whole time, listeners. I was not in uh, Oregon or on the West Coast for... I was here for like the first day of smoke, and then I got the hell out of Dodge and stayed in Tennessee for, yeah, like a week with my family. We'll get into that a little bit later. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I didn't have to experience any of that smoke, and then I came back like the night before it rained, so... Perfect I can timing.
0: Breathe. You can breathe. I can breathe. We can do it. Um also Cardi B can get divorced. Uh, she sure
1: can. <laughs> I was actually really excited to hear this. Yeah, I mean, like,
0: Everyone's like, been wanting yeah, her to Yeah, but of me was so like,
1: let them be this like little hood couple, like it's cute. But also, like, come on, Cardi B, you can do a lot better than offset. So
0: Yeah. I mean, culture is beautiful and great, and she loves that kid. I assume offset loves the kid too. And I mean, I think everyone wanted her to divorce him back when she threatened to on stage several times. <laughs> she wrote a yep. song about it. Like, um, <laughs> it. I, I don't know. I, and I think uh, it's really annoying when stupid men are like, well, I guess her WAP wasn't, like, good enough to keep him or whatever. And it's like, well, there's lots of public documentation about her personal choice to leave
1: him. So yeah her wop really doesn't have anything to do with it (laughs) like also she's the one that left him so like she can still have a wop and leave a man right Exactly. Um, and you know i read today so i made the hypothesis that he got another girl pregnant and like that was the straw that broke the camel's back but Mm. i read i think on like people today that she said that she literally got the divorce because she just got tired of arguing Mm. and that was just it she was just like at a certain point you're just like you don't want to argue with somebody anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. that's kind of sad, but also good. I mean, that is not healthy to be constantly arguing, and especially if it's about things greater than like where to put a knife or something like that. You know, it's yeah. like it's like uh, infidelity, things, etc. Trust all those, and they're arguing yeah. about that every day. Yeah, I'm out. Bye.
1: When is her album coming out? I feel like I always pay attention to when these sort of things happen because it means a project is probably going to follow. Like. Soon sure. after. Yeah, I mean, WAP comes out, you g- get a D- She's a golden. Libra. Oh my God, this is, she's going to drop an album in like October. It'd be the most Libra thing to do. I hope that for her,
0: that'd be a really fun way to kick us into winter, you know? I mean, I think, <laughs> is she the best rapper? No. Do I always really enjoy what she puts out often? Yes, I do.
1: Yeah, I mean, we all know she doesn't write her stuff. But you know who does write her own stuff and was supposed to drop an album in September, but I don't think did Adele. <laughs> I was oh. thinking about this last night, and I feel like she put out a tweet at the beginning of this year and said something about an album in September or October. But I we feel were like we're supposed to get rent right out album. Yeah. I don't know if the Bantu Knobs mm-hmm. messed that up, but Oh God. I think late. that she
0: got the divorce and just went full party mode just like goes to every club ever and raps nikki's monster verse
1: that's how she she, all that weight she lost it wasn't a diet she was just doing coke in the club
0: yeah i mean maybe so um i mean really really every day um (laughs) yeah i mean she seems a little bit unhinged but like in a really fun way and i'm really excited for um a breakup album from her you know i mean sad as it is It'll be very listenable. Yeah, you know. Okay. And honestly, and I was thinking about it too. Casey Musgraves got divorced earlier this year, too, and oh, I cannot man. wait for her album. I like my album.
1: Adele's and my Casey's, like I like my Mary J. Blige's and Keisha Coles' heart. Single?
0: Broken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that
1: too. <laughs> um, um, the 911 video, the Lady Gaga 911 video. My was
0: thinking that. And then me is me. It was cinematic,
1: yeah. and I did not understand any part of it.
0: Mm. Explain you, it to me. Do you want it to be explained? Yeah, actually. Okay, Okay. Um, so Tarsem Singh, he made movies like The Fall, which honestly this movie looks a lot like. Um, essentially, Lady Gaga has been hit by a car. Um, she may have some sort of pill addiction or is taking medications for mental health reasons, but she's been hit by a car. She's on a bike. Her apples and pomegranates are all over the thing. There's someone who's been dying and there's paramedics, there's onlookers. And then, so we have this video that's four and a half minutes and three and a half minutes of it is this fantastical, she wakes up in the desert, is alone. There's like a de- a rider of death. And then the people that um, are in the, the one woman is in like the white thing and then the man with the long hair, they're the paramedics. And like there's that part where she like kind of is flying up to the sky and they bring her back down. That's like when her heart starts again. And then that like little flashlight, the mirror thing that like, keeps shining in her face, that's like the flashlight of the paramedic. And then there's a woman in the back who's like, wailing and crying the dead body it's because there was a body that was being held and then the guy on the front who was like banging his head yeah, yeah, on yeah pillow, he's um he was the one who he uh, the airbag he's like so that's what that is and so it's just like she's having a a fantastical experience near-death experience after some sort of car crash and a lot of it is based off of this film like the color of pomegranates or something something um, for
1: pomegranates huh
0: yeah, that's that movie poster is on the um on that theater that they're at. Um, whatever. I mean it's a little bit heavy handed of like, did you see the thing? But I thought it was good. I and, and like, um I mean it, it's a little sad. She can't really dance without hurting herself anymore. Like it, she so she does like a lot of hand dancing and stuff, but um outside of that, it was really beautiful, the colors are beautiful once I realized it was the director of the fall and not like some random man making a like video that sort of looked like the fall, I was like, Oh, okay. I'm into this. Um, and I mean, it felt very back to Gaga in a way that we have not in a long time. It was like, Oh, finally, where have you been? Like, where have you been? Um, I mean, it's a little annoying that she has to like sort of dip her toes into like Avant-garde, and it's like also avant-garde in quotes. I mean, it's like it's pretty, but it's also just like uh, showcase. She had a dream sequence in death. Like it's not like that much high art, yeah. you know. But you know, but if you're in the Bible
1: high. Belt, that's the sure. devil.
0: I mean, I mean, exactly. I it does feel a little bit like Judas Light, mm-hmm. sort of. Um. Mm. Uh, but I was deeply, pleasantly surprised. I think it's like. I think a weird sort of choice for the next single, but I
1: like the know. song or the that choice of video.
0: The the song, like I feel like Enigma or Replay would probably be better.
1: Enigma would have been a great like debut single for this album. Yep, stupid so love the is other so one. fucking stupid.
0: Yeah, I hate it. At QBT, we do hate stupid love. Um, Nine one one video though, super great. I appreciate it a lot. Um... Did you see this Fast Times at Ridgemont High table read with like Brad Pitt and Jennifer Aniston and Shia LaBeouf and Julia Roberts and all these people? Uh, Were they all in that movie? No. They came (laughs) together for this um, like live table read. Dane Cook was in it. And then I think Morgan Freeman narrated it.
2: Oh, wow. Um,
0: It was like, it was very, um, it was crazy, but it kind of went viral for a second because um you know brad and jennifer are like kind of acting together and they have their fast times at ridgemont high they do the scene where that woman gets out of the pool and it's like that sex fantasy scene and Mm -hmm. she like slowly takes off her top so morgan freeman is like narrating this like sex scene sort of while jennifer aniston and brad pitt are like reciting lines to each other and like it's about like the man the guy like jerking off in the bathroom or whatever and so it's just like brad looked ashamed like he like he he, like looked ashamed because it was like this woman that he kind of publicly scorned even if they have a kind of private relationship that's like fine whatever like i'm yeah. sure they're friendly in some ways
1: it just it was i'd it was be more interested awkward if like angelina jolie was in jennifer aniston's place that would be drama i feel like we all know yeah. jennifer aniston and him are cool but anyways um, that just seems really random. Why did it they was do random. that?
0: Okay. I don't know. I think it was for some charity thing. And then it was like, they had some technical issues. So then they just kind of released like chunks, like different scenes. Instead of like, we've read the whole movie. They just kind of like comp. a compilation together shia labeouf is just like literally smoking weed and like he has a shirt off and he's like playing the the stoner character and he's just like there's a part where morgan freeman's reading it and he's like and the boys were smoking doobies and listening to whatever and with beers at their feet and then shia labeouf is literally just like as morgan freeman's reading it holding a blunt and just like just like, just like vibing it's like it's very silly it felt very surreal julia roberts is there just like her whole screen is the teeth like it's like she's just like it, she's also still so gorgeous actually when i was at the cabin that i was at we did a mini
1: julia roberts movie she looks America. good i will say beautiful. jennifer jennifer julia roberts ages like a black person oh my god i don't it.
0: know if i can give, like you can give her that i guess i f- i feel like though she just has I just such,
1: like i've seen her um, recently and i'm like where are the wrinkles
0: yeah well that's wealth true mm-hmm Ugh. so much wealth um yeah we watched like runaway bride and um all these movies are like leaving oh we watched hook we may or may not have taken acid and watched hook and Sounds like um, a great idea it kind of was <laughs> like really it was like because it's something very familiar there's so much nostalgia attached to it and yeah. they, but the funniest part about that movie is she's at tinkerbell and she's literally just acting by herself the entire time i forgot that she was in that she just is like it'll just cut to her face and she's like in a set made to look like a tiny lantern and she's just like stomping around like responding to (laughs) no one like it's like it's when it was very silly to watch but that movie is so joyful i have no idea what i would how I would experience that movie as an adult when it came out. But, like, Mm -hmm. it's kind of like
1: nine movies in one. Like, it's very long. I remember it being really long. It's very long. I think I've only seen Hook, like, once in its entirety and then, Mm -hmm. like, just chunks and pieces here and there.
0: Well, because I often get stoned and watched it, but but I'm too tired.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, you're going to be sleeping the first, like, 45 minutes. Right. There, There is, like,
0: a level of need to be alert. My brother used to watch that movie. Like, he would watch it and then, like, just... Press play again. Look, <laughs> it just like he would have like, just spend all day watching Hook and reciting the lines. Oh my God! Breath. no. <laughs> we would not have gotten along. Um, we did it sometimes. Um, <laughs> have you seen Pin 15 season two?
1: Um, I have not because I have not finished the first season. Um, okay, but I am going to because the show is good. I will vouch for it. I mean, not that I need to, but. <laughs> Um, Thank God. It was, it right, was gonna flop I, until <laughs> Until I gave it my blessing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um yeah, I mean I've seen part of like half of the first season and okay. I really liked it, but no, I haven't seen season two. I keep hearing it's great.
0: Yeah, I I watched it all pretty much yesterday, and um it just it just touches on this thing that makes you feel so it's like how did people I don't know reach into my brain and pull out this thing and then also why the fuck would you do that that's so rude <laughs> like I did not <laughs> want to think about that again like what the fuck like there's some memories from pin, pin 15 that are like being like unlocked a little bit and it's just like ah, oh, that was tucked away for a reason <laughs> like I did not want to pull that out um I think season two does some really it, it's some cool exploration stuff I think that and those women are just very funny. But I think beyond being funny, there's lots of very insightful moments into girlhood. And I think it's, I think it's so cool. So I'm, uh, I guess only to Big say- a Pin
1: 15 fan.
0: Yeah. And, you know, they did it again with season two. I feel like it can kind of go, if it's like a gimmicky kind of thing of like adults dressing as middle schoolers, is like, is this going to work for more than one thing? And I think it did. I think they did a great it job. Works.
1: Did mm-hmm. you know- That pin 15 is penis
0: what i'm bleeping that no cursing
1: oh no cursing um
0: Uh, yeah penis
1: penis penis Penis. Um, speaking of penis have you watched the vow on hbo yet
0: (laughs) i hate you (laughs) yuck um yeah i've seen a good chunk of it i think it's a little bit slow and they talk a lot about the thing without actually talking about the thing. And yeah. Crazy. I'm like, how are you just saying we did these memory things and then not even like remotely trying to explain it? Or like they're like, it's a math algorithm. And then just next episode, I'm like, what? what? Like, <laughs> you. If I'm watching this documentary, you need to make me understand why anyone would join this. Like you need yeah. to make me understand like what the benefit is. But I also think it's like a bunch of like business creeps. Anyway, That's,
1: it's like a. I feel like what I'm getting from the documentary is it's. I mean, it's a cult, but it's like a business cult. It's Like yeah. instead it's of it's like them... people
0: too obsessed with Myers Briggs. <laughs> oh my
1: god, yes! Like trying to hack Myers Briggs. Yep. Um, yeah, it's like instead of them having I don't know like a, I don't know some cult out in like a, barn in the middle of nowhere, they're just doing it in like hotel conference rooms in like plain sight. I don't oh. know. It's it just reminds me of a lot of conferences and also
0: (laughs) because they're paying like multiple hours to be told that therapy is bad and anything that they that happens in their life that you know is unfortunate is somehow their fault yeah and so it's like deep emotional manipulation that's like sort of
1: brainwashing yeah
0: bastardized cbt you know it's like it's because it touches on these things of like there's ways to open up your psyche and like make better decisions and get in touch with your values and stuff but it's like that is not always like something that is like a personal human flaw for like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what i mean like i don't know it's a it was a silly a silly and, those sashes, and they haven't even gotten to the the sashes are dumb they terrible. also haven't even gotten to the, like the actual the sex, sex part. trafficking yeah. part yet so it's like i don't know i mean and i'm also just like confused kind of a little bit with the this kind of slow reveal of them all leaving kind of slowly and it's like okay so it's
1: like Scientology
0: yeah but it it, they don't seem to have the same at least they have not showed us yet that it's not the same like power structure like it's not the same Mm -hmm. money or like people being murdered or like things like that and maybe that is something to come out in later episodes but I'm like yeah Why is everyone so afraid other than I'm deeply, literally money invested in this? They have all my money. This is my job. I can sort of understand, like, how do I back away? Yeah. Um, Yeah, because they don't, like,
1: cut them off from their families or anything.
0: Yeah. It's so weird. Well, maybe
1: they're just so deeply, um, and I mean, this is what happens with cults, right? Like, it's people who are in very sort of vulnerable, like, spaces, I guess. And not to say that they'll just like fall for anything but they're like looking for some sort of belonging or looking for some sort of like answer to life and i feel like maybe that's the reason why they just like stay for so long or why they're like afraid to leave because it's almost like you're turning your back on this thing that probably brought you so much sort of insight and joy and happiness at a certain point i feel like that'd be difficult for me but i don't subscribe to a religion or any sort of group thinking
0: i mean I'm going to be honest, like there's sometimes I watch cult documentaries and I'm like, oh, I'd do that. But this one is not. <laughs> this one is like the not, Manson family, that seems. I mean, a little bit maybe. And that's yeah. like, I shouldn't say that, but it's a little bit I probably would have. And then um, <laughs> another one that I probably would have is the one that was out in Oregon with the Rosh Hashanah, the Rajneesh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I like when I watched that documentary, I was like, other than like the stealing everyone you loves money and running away with it, I get it. <laughs> like I like they get to wear big
1: baggy clothes, fuck yeah. who they want,
0: and then yeah. like do deep re- breathing exercises and then they all their meals are catered.
1: <laughs> like it's like what else so you need? That sounds like uh, perfect mental health to me.
0: I, I mean <laughs> um anyway, the vow, yeah. I think it's I keep watching it and I'm not like completely sold on why I'm continuing to watch it. Like Same. there's I feel like there's something needs to happen next episode that gives me a little bit more insight into why these people would do. That. I also don't even know the size of this thing. Like, it keeps showing me like conference rooms with like twelve people in it, and I'm like, mm.
1: how? And how many people are
0: involved? How many people? And then and then it'll cut and to they like, have, like an these auditorium. organizations
1: like under the bigger company, and I'm uh-huh. just like, I don't know. I don't
0: think the documentary does a good job of explaining what is. It's like before I can understand, you know, some of this how and why, I'm also just like. W- literally what is happening like I, I i don't think it does a great job of explaining that or i just wasn't paying attention
1: um i had to like look it up i'm gonna <laughs> read it to you um but i agree and i had to like go on wikipedia while i was watching one of the episodes because i was like what is this is it a cult is it a company it's a company it's a mark it's a multi-level marketing company based in albany new york which offers personal and professional development seminars through its executive success programs. Ugh. So it's a company, but I, I don't know. That's weird. If I'm not getting paid, I don't know why I would be there.
0: It's just, and it's also all these like B rate CW actors, like, <laughs> like everybody from Smallville. Ugh, so creepy. Um, I mean, I'm also saying all of that, what happened to the women was horrific and disgusting. And that kind of like, ruining of women's psyche to be sex slaves to this nerd like it is awful um and the show is not giving me a lot of insight into into even like how that happened i guess but i mean i guess that's like asking to explain why cults happen and they just do because people want to belong but (laughs) um what is going on with tiktok
1: I don't know (laughs) Um, a lot because
0: can uh, can the president's order do anything like I mean
1: well here's the thing so TikTok was supposed to be banned in terms of like nobody nobody could download it like if you don't already have it on your phone you would have had to have done it by this weekend that just passed um but turns out yesterday which was Saturday um because we're recording on a Sunday um The president, this president, um, approved, like, gave his blessing to the deal with Oracle. So Oracle is buying 12.5% of TikTok. And then Walmart, Walmart, (laughs) is buying, I think, like, 5% or 8%. Uh, I think it's 8%. Um, So TikTok will still, well, ByteDance, which owns TikTok, will still be owned. Uh, by Byte or okay, sorry, TikTok will still be owned by Byte Dance, like the majority stake in it. But it'll have these like American components to it, where you're, they're going to house like the data and all these other things. So, so
0: TikTok is the new Nexium. Oh,
1: I hope not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, TikTok isn't getting banned anymore. I guess. Okay.
0: I feel like yeah, it it feels very str- Never mind. I was going to talk about some strangeness related to that person, and I'm just like, well. Nothing about that person makes sense, so never mind.
1: None of it makes sense. I don't even understand why banning an app is even on his agenda. If any app should be
0: banned, it's (laughs) Facebook. And did you watch that really stupid Social Dilemma documentary on Netflix?
1: I started it and then I thought to myself, this is stupid, and I turned it off.
0: <laughs> it is bad. Like, it's not a good documentary at all. No. And there's these weird acting parts in it. It feels very much like a, like a, it feels like some of the videos that you'd see in, like, an amusement park informational ride or something. Like, mm-hmm. like, like, if you're... I was going to say, it's
1: something you, like, play to an 11-year-old or, like, a 10-year-old yes. before you give them, like, a phone.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, okay. I can kind of see that. I mean, and maybe people who haven't taken like media literacy classes or haven't ever thought about data, I guess maybe some of that could have felt new or something, I guess. I also just like dual screened it the whole time. I was just like <laughs> scrolling while this movie yeah. is playing and saying like, your brain is broken. I'm like, I fucking know. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. It did, it did make me want to use it less because every time that I remove um, social media from my life, I don't miss it that right. much. Yeah. So it it does make me believe like, oh, it's the constant use that makes you want to use it more versus it being something inherently of value. I have not Um, been on
1: Instagram lately. So, and I don't like want to. I don't know. And it wasn't like a thing. It wasn't like a decision I made. It's just like, I just decreased my usage of Instagram and now I'm not on there at all. And I don't think I don't know. I'll probably go back at some point, but you're not missing anything. I feel like
0: I feel like I would get rid of Instagram maybe if there wasn't like things to work on with it, yeah. you know. But, um,
1: which means listeners, everything you see on our uh, Instagram page is mad. It's not me. <laughs> I just and, told it myself.
0: <laughs> um, and I, I feel like Twitter would be the thing that is, would be very hard for me to mm. finally separate from, but that's also just because. I feel like when current events, or like when crazy big stuff happens, there's nowhere else sometimes that I want to like be engaged with than on Twitter, like it feels often. I feel like so much of my understanding of local journalism, especially around the Portland uh, protests and police violence and stuff, has really come from local folks twitter feeds that go out every night or whatever you know Mm. um so it's like shit like that mixed with yeah i want to see dixon other things
1: um i did not know y'all was out here using twitter for porn
0: well it it wasn't as big and then when yahoo bought tumblr and then banned all the porn everyone went over to twitter so then Mm. it like wasn't for a long time and then now it now it now it is
1: Guess I know what I'll be doing tonight.
0: Yeah, create a, create a an alt Twitter account just for all the <laughs> all the likes. Um, I think um, I was, I saw this thing from Lil Nas X where he was just kind of posting all these like punk hairstyles, but uh, they did um, a collaboration with Christian Cowan, and it's all kind of like 60s 70s oh, this is cute. punk I'm this inspired. Right now. it's so cool and it like pulls from the queer scene and like the kind of vision is like you know punk spaces for a long time were like where the queers and the straights could kind of co-mingle because like and obviously not every there's a lot of punk spaces that are like shitty white supremacist spaces whatever but
1: um, yes, Violet Tchadki.
0: I know it's super cute. Um, we'll post a link. I, it's, a lot of it's like, um,
1: bless you, Blue. Big Sorry.
0: patterns, and oh, I, <laughs> I didn't know that was Blue. I thought it was you. Um, it's super cute. I and I love seeing little X kind of do anything, and especially when they get to be creative and praise for being creative. It's like I have no idea if they're gonna have a music career. You know what I mean? But yeah, I want them to do anything i like love seeing them
1: this is really cute be big this is what i want our photo shoot to look like
0: okay noted um and obviously you know this week uh justice ruth bader ginsburg died um which happened on a day that i chose to for some reason binge i may destroy you which i think i want to talk because i feel like the first time we talked about it we'd only seen the first episode and then i stopped watching it and then i came back and watched all of it um that show is very intense and had lots of feelings about that but i woke up from a nap after needing to take a nap because the show was intense to my perception of the world being very closer to the bullshittiest bullshit you know (sighs) it feels really scary and it's like i don't know exactly I maybe even don't even know how to talk about it right now just because of how scared I sort of feel. And then I feel silly for being scared
1: because it's just... For what? I mean, we are... (laughs) 2020 is terrible, right? (laughs) But, like, I don't know. Like, we are watching in real time our democracy just, like, completely unravel and unfold. Yeah. And we're actively seeing, like, at least our society, like the American society, just like devolve, like Mm -hmm. go backwards in time. And that shit is scary. Like the closer we get to this election, like the more I feel myself getting more and more anxious. Like I Mm -hmm. feel like my days are getting more and more sort of just like, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen, what's gonna happen.
0: Yeah.
1: Cause I legit, am gonna go buy a boat and just go live in the middle of the ocean.
0: (laughs) I mean, it may not be a bad idea, girl. I think um, it's like, okay, best case scenario is we delay a vote and then Biden wins and gets to nominate someone. Like that's best case scenario. And also it's super annoying and wild that one woman dying is able to change everything because of the ways that we have our courts set up, you know, and like all these Republicans are so intent on Roe v. Wade and all that stuff when the original um, decision had several Republicans supporting it. And one of the people who didn't support it, it was like a 2-7. And one of those two was someone appointed by a Democrat. So it's like, mm. it it wasn't even down party lines. You know, it's like, it's so strange that this one woman's passing mm-hmm. might really shift how we engage in this country very soon. And like, obviously Mitch McConnell and all those folks have pretty much come out really quickly and been like, oh yeah, we're going to rush this through. We're going to support the president, yada, yada, yada. But um, it's so fucking scary. I just like, I...
1: There's got to be some way to delay this.
0: I mean, potentially if, you know, the Democratic senators used tactics that the Republicans use all the time to like be a little dirty and like get their hands dirty a little bit, I feel like they always choose this like when they go low we go high shit and we keep fucking losing like kick them in the nah. back, and like what nobody's about? playing by the rules anymore like, there are no rules <laughs> there are no rules and like maybe we can make some better rules once we can get rid of the electoral college and can expand the number of justices on the court and like stop having white supremacists rule everything like maybe if we get there we can figure out like what rules we need to implement and like keep but right now the rules don't apply to anyone like or they only apply to everyone but the that administration so i don't know it's just like i guess we have to fucking be more enthusiastic about voting which okay fine it's also feels infuriating but um yeah. I mean, I guess we have to, in order to have some semblance of potential change to block what might be coming very soon. It's just like, it's like 45 days, you know, it, like maybe less, but, um oh my God, I just like blacked out. Like, <laughs> I was like,
1: I don't even know. I was like, eating. are you frozen? Is my I, internet going
0: out? No, my brain is just like, I don't know how to process it. And I think maybe that's just the truth of it is like, I'm talking a lot and maybe I should shut the fuck up, but I just, am, it feels really daunting. And then I just feel so powerless to do anything about anything that might be changing very quickly, very soon. And then it's like, well, where do I go? Like, what safety do I have to be and remain safe? You know, like. I, I
1: think know- that's where my fear also comes from. The closer we get to this election, it's just starting to feel more and more like, I don't feel safe in my own country. I don't feel safe, like, here.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, when the fires and stuff were in the air quality and stuff, like, literally leaving our homes quickly to uh, get away from, like, climate crisis, you know, like, which another thing, I think, I will post this if I haven't already, there is, one of the reasons that these fires, like, happened the way that they happen is, like, because Indigenous folks did not have the rights to their own land anymore. And so the government is now managing these lands and is not as funded as they should be. And then they don't follow indigenous practices and then we get wildfires. And I, And like, there's lots of folks who are talking about, um, obviously that's like a reductionist way to, to talk about a lot of complexities across the you know colonized United States. But there are lots of places who are like, you guys made us implement a, a no controlled burning and yet the reason we did that was so that there wasn't something so fucking fucking flammable that if it got hot enough everything would just go up in flames and harm people more than if we had these kind of controlled area burns that can actually be good for the forest, you know. Um, and RBG was someone who denied indigenous sovereignty of land from the Supreme Court bench several times and was not the biggest BLM supporter and like talk shit about Colin Kaepernick and like so it's like it's also so annoying that I have to feel so fearful about this blockade to progress from someone that I think as much good as she did for gender equality and women's rights also had some fucked up views on things you know and and had power to implement those views and I just like that complexity I have to sit with, but I'm like, okay, thankfully I was able to find somewhere to go safely for the fires, but where do I go when they're coming to lock me up? Like, like, where, where do I go when, oh, whatever. I just feel like we need weapons. Um, you don't have a weapon over there? I'm, I'm sure I have several. Okay. Okay. <laughs> um, I actually, I do think I want to get one of those like, long range like taser guns like like or those like long cattle prod things imagine if i had two cattle prods and was like able to like swing them around and just like jump up and be like (laughs) like right into someone's neck i mean for self-defense for self-defense yeah yeah yeah
1: yeah sure sure (laughs)
0: um i read this really cool thing um about uh when rbg died uh someone reposted this uh, New Yorker article called the many lives of Polly Murray. And Polly was a black trans man who did a lot of work that RBG built her arguments off of and was vocal in her life about Polly's work, but Polly didn't get access to Harvard um, in the same way because like was blocked out of colleges earlier because of, their race and then later because of their gender and um, just a kind of like unsung queer hero of American law <laughs> and I well, I had no idea who Polly was until until I saw that reposted. It came out in like 2017 but like specifically in reference to RBG and uh, hmm. their relationship together. I thought it was really cool um when we come back, we will be chatting with Lucia. Bennett, um, about eating disorders, queerness, somatic therapy, all the things, um, it's great and I'm excited for it to happen. Okay. See you soon. Bye. Okay friends, welcome back to QBT. I am so excited because we are joined by Lucia Bennett, Licensed Professional Counselor, who is a somatic therapist, um, works a lot with eating disorders. I'm really excited to dive into this conversation. Welcome, thank you for calling in from Denver, Mountain Time, how are you doing?
2: Awesome, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to meet you both.
1: Mm -hmm. I've never been to Denver, what is it like out there?
2: Um, well, it's pretty smoky right here as well, which I know it's not as bad. I was talking to um, Maddie earlier. It's not as bad, of course, as you all have it in Portland, but, um, the sun is still like a red ball every day, which is
1: great.
0: Dystopian. Nice.
2: <laughs> yeah. But, um, normally it's warm and sunny most of the time. So I think we have more sun than California actually.
0: That's incredible. Is it because you guys are so high?
2: I have no idea. I
0: don't know either.
2: (laughs) High city, yeah. Uh I don't know. I don't know. But more sun than California, (laughs) according to some slogan.
1: (laughs) It's the real sunshine state.
2: Yeah, it is. (laughs) It is.
0: (laughs) I want to come test that out. Um, Lucia, can you um, talk to us a little bit about identities that you hold? and? How do you come into this world? who are you? <laughs>
2: um yeah, so I guess I'll start with some of my sociocultural identities. I'm white um cisgender female um i'm also i also identify as a lesbian and uh, a femme and um I grew up poor i would say like um and so i I hold that as part of my identity as well. Um, and I, I was saying to you earlier that my mom is English. She's technically an immigrant, although we don't call white people immigrants mm-hmm. for some reason. Um, but my mom is an immigrant from England. Um, and so I was raised, you know, kind of, kind of English in a way. So I feel like that has shaped me a little bit too, mm-hmm. just in like how I move through the world. Um, and definitely how I communicate, and yeah, I often think too about just that sort of like major colonizer lineage that I hold in my bones. So I'm often, mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of holding that um, as as part of my part of my ancestral lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. What else? I'm I am a major cat lady. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Have two cats, and I'm very deeply obsessed with them. And I, I've just always been obsessed with cats. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm also really obsessed with astrology. I'm like feeding into lots of lesbian stereotypes here. I love cats. Private Subaru. I love just checking traveling. things off the
1: list at this point.
2: <laughs> Should have like shown you. Yeah, I got my Birkenstocks here on the floor. Yes.
1: Oh my gosh. <laughs> <laughs>
2: just uh showing you my lesbian club card um <laughs> yeah so i i'm a sagittarius i could i could re- i could give you my whole birth chart you know now that you both have done yours i
0: know we've got our toes dipped in
2: yes that was so fun i loved that episode um yeah i have um a cancer moon which is just like so touchy-feely
0: mm-hmm. good for therapy
2: yeah, it's it's good. Uh, it's hard for life, I think. Mm-hmm. Though, <laughs> lots of lots of feelings. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I feel like Scorpio is like the spicier Cancer. Like <laughs> totally.
1: Are they both water signs? Yeah.
2: Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, Scorpio is like maybe a little bit more like mysterious.
1: That's so-
0: what people say, and we might like <laughs> to think that. I don't. I don't know if it's true.
1: <laughs> I have not figured you out yet, and it's been years. Years. We're-
0: Work. It is working. (laughs) Um, Lucia, can you tell us a little bit about your work in Denver?
2: Yeah. So, um, I am an eating disorder therapist. I'm a licensed professional counselor, as you mentioned before. I'm also a registered dance movement therapist. Wow. Um, Yeah, I have. So, I got my master's in somatic counseling psychology, which is really just a fancy way for saying I went to school for counseling and um, I have sort of like a focus on somatic therapy and within that focus is then also dance movement therapy. Um,
0: Let's break that down. So, Yeah. Somatic therapy. What do you mean? What are, we, what are we talking about?
2: Yeah. So somatic therapy, just really generally, we're talking about focusing on the body. Mm-hmm. So you'll hear like a lot of times when I say somatic therapy, people will say like, oh, somatic experiencing, like they've heard of that, which is um, a modality of somatic therapy. But somatic, ther- somatic is just like a, a umbrella term, basically for um, therapy that really works with the body. Mm-hmm. So we're not talking mm-hmm. about cognitive behavioral. We're not even really talking about like um, DBT or anything like that. We're mm-hmm. talking about... Um, really bringing in the body and using the body in therapy, maybe with movement, maybe with talking about the nervous system, maybe with breath work or um, just bringing in like interpersonal neurobiology Mm -hmm. stuff into the the therapy session. So really, we're just, we're focusing in on the body and usually seeing somatic therapy sees the body as the primary site of um, where wounding is held and therefore also the primary site of of where healing needs to happen. Mm -hmm. So we can't fully heal without bringing the body into it.
0: Based on the idea that, you know, when we experience trauma, we have physical reactions that then sometimes can get locked or stuck or whatever when it goes unexamined or unexercised or that kind of thing. Obviously I'm being reductive, but yeah, that's sort of what we're talking about in some that's, ways, right? Yeah.
1: What so, does this look like in terms of an actual session? Because I'm used to, you know, talking to a therapist, lots of words, lots of feelings, but not necessarily moving. So is it like a dance session? Like, what does that actually look like in practice?
2: Oh man, I mean, it so depends on the client and like where they're willing to go. Um, often when I first start working with clients, it's a lot more talking. And then I kind of get a sense for where their comfort level is with not talking. Mm. Um, usually we'll start with just, um, bringing awareness to the body. So I'll have them like sort of drop into their bodies and see what's, what's going on. Um, maybe I'll have them like speak from a part of their bodies, um, Sometimes I'll have them get up and move around. Um, a lot of times I'm instructing them to kind of follow their body's instincts. Um, mm. So like, where does your body wanna go next? What does your body wanna do? Okay, let's, let's follow that. Or maybe let's make that bigger, exaggerate it. Um, and often I'm doing it with them so that they're not okay. feeling alone in that. And I'm also really closely tracking their level of like nervous system arousal because right? mm-hmm. we don't want to flood we especially when we're working with trauma we can really easily flood the whole system and then uh, you know people get overwhelmed and then it's not helpful at all. the work
0: all. is done that day yeah
2: yeah so sessions sometimes i'll bring in music um but again it really depends on like if the client is is down for that
0: hmm. Hmm. when If we're thinking about like the mind body connection as a healer, what how do you how does that play into the work specifically with eating disorders?
2: Mm. Yeah, it's so so vital with eating disorders. Um, a lot of times I see the eating disorder as a mechanism to kind of like disconnect from the body or to dissociate from the body because often that's where the shit is right like that's where the trauma is that's where the the shame and the wounding is and so um often folks with eating disorders are especially disconnected from their Mm. bodies and so sometimes it's a really slow process of just even like waking up to feeling the body because they're Mm -hmm. so numb to it um and it can be really scary like really really scary so we go really slow
0: it can be scary to start that awakening. Is that what you're saying? Like, yeah. instead of just being, I'm disconnected and then wake up the next day connected, that would be too intense.
2: Yeah, yeah. And it can it can be scary for um, the person because they maybe haven't actually felt their body in mm-hmm. a really long time. Um, and there's a good reason for that, again, because all the trauma is there. And so... Um, yeah, beginning to feel the body again feels, can feel really unsafe.
1: What kind of strategies are there that you <clears throat> kind of give people, what we do on the podcast is to give people homework every single episode. So I guess what sort of homework would you give your clients to go home with that? Like when you're not there with them?
2: Um... I think kind of one of the most like blanket basic ones would be just to find a little time each day to see if you can just be with your body. Um, So maybe that looks like doing a little bit of a body scan, like starting with like, okay, I'm gonna check in with my feet. Cool, hey feet, how are you doing? And then maybe I'll move up to my legs and just see what's happening in my legs. What are the sensations, the colors, whatever, um, and then move up through the core um, and just really checking in with each point. What am I holding here? Where is it tense? Where is it relaxed? Where am I feeling joyful or, you know, clenching or anything like that? Really just kind of scanning the body and not trying to change it or judge it or fix it or anything, but we're just being like, hey, body, what's up? how are you doing how are you feeling today what are you holding and maybe even then thank you for all that you're holding for me like so just like recognizing that the body is carrying so much for us every day that we just like don't even recognize
0: Mm -hmm. I, I feel like obviously there's um deep trauma work and deep issue work of this mind-body connection that needs to kind of be re-established in a comforting, if not safe space, a challenging space, you know? But I think that there's something like a cultural, like that kind of American intellectualism kind of thing that just outside of trauma just disconnects us from our body, you know? Yeah. Like, I feel like that's a very, all of the things that you're naming feel so natural when you talk about them, right? And then when I was sitting here thinking about how often do I do that or whatever, I'm like, uh, I know that falling into my body is something that I need to work on. But I also think that I don't know a lot of people that have a lot of conversations or it's like conversations they learned in adulthood. And I guess I'm just wondering if you have any insight around why this is a thing that needs to be taught or, and coached through versus something that we know as humans like what is that disconnect from who we are as humans <laughs> you know solve the world's problems for me lucy
2: <laughs> totally i think um we're as a as a culture in in the u.s for sure and then probably all of the west the western world you know where um the the mind is is like privileged over the body you know like we can look at it look at it in like a um power and oppression kind of dynamic i think that the body just as a whole is really marginalized in our society right like anything to do with your body is like base or animal or whatever um or something
0: to feel shame around and buy products around to fix
2: Exactly, mm-hmm. and so and so we use our mind to control our body. And that's how, and for me, that feels so linked with like white supremacy. It feels so linked with patriarchy and like the kind of Christian view of things of like the body is unholy and the way to- And be
0: impermanent, able- like it's yeah. a temple, but it's also, this is just my vessel for now. I'm mm-hmm. saving myself for God or whatever, you know?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I I just think there's so much there just Mm. like um, in our culture around the body. And I don't think there's a single human um, in this country that doesn't have some kind of body shame because of that Mm. or some kind of like disconnect, no matter who you are. And then I think the more, the less close or the farther away you are from um, like cis white male privilege, the more and more shame and disconnect you have. Body.
1: Which causes a lot of, you know, body dysmorphia, which is a huge issue, I think, in the queer community, definitely in the gay community. Yeah. Um, what has been your sort of experience with body dysmorphia and when it comes to queer clients or just queer people in your life?
2: Yeah. Um, I see, obviously, we're I'm working with, body dysmorphia, I mean, maybe not obviously, but with it's um, very prominent in eating folks with eating disorders. Mm-hmm. Um, and eating disorders are very prominent in the queer community. Um, and I, f- I think that we see a lot of an, an intersection between body dysmorphia and then gender dysphoria as well that, that kind of come together and just like create this perfect storm. Mm-hmm. Um,
1: what is gender dysphoria?
2: gender dysphoria is um like the sense that my my body doesn't match up with my gender got it my often there's this feeling of like my body feels wrong my body doesn't match like what i feel Mm -hmm. internally and i think you know someone who experiences gender dysphoria might um describe it sort of a little bit differently so i just right. want to name that um i think it's a little bit different for everyone but that's sort of like a, yeah. a term it's and like, like
0: the medical uh the medical model's name for mm. the thing that you can put on insurance to be able to move forward with different interventions it's kind of like the first step or diagnosis potentially if you're trying to transition or if you're trying to do these other things and it's hmm. yeah i appreciate what you're saying around that's not always the way that folks experiencing that, name it. And that's how the medical community has named it to kind of allow.
1: I was going to say, I didn't know there was like an actual term. I was today years old when I learned that.
2: (laughs) Yeah, it's actually um, in the DSM, like our our Diagnostic Mm -hmm. and Statistical Statistical Manual, Mm -hmm. which is like so oppressive and problematic. And I I think, there yeah. for a lot of folks there are real like pros and cons of the idea of of diag essentially it's like diagnosing right. um a trans identity
0: right. As being queer is a mental illness so um to- <laughs> so you're talk- is, we're all crazy <laughs> <laughs> you're talking about the perfect storm um and how i guess like If you're seeing a lot of queer queer clients, um, or if if your work is within that, like, do you have insight into why those things kind of happen in the first place? And then what is some of the work you undo or work with folks to kind of name and create power over for themselves that um, has spoken to, you know, why people feel so disconnected from their bodies and then seek control in these ways that unfortunately ultimately are often very harmful?
2: Yeah, um, I have a lot of, of theories <laughs> around this that I, 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 after working with so many queer folks with eating disorders and also just knowing that we as a community are, are sort of one of the, the most affected communities by eating disorders, mm-hmm. um, so I think a lot about the amount of body shame that we as queer folks internalize from like a very young age Mm. Um, and just um, yeah just that experience in like puberty or childhood where where maybe the first moment you notice like your desires or something about the way you're expressing yourself was kind of like off or different Um, and either that was you know overtly or covertly shamed Um, and then I I think that we we can then internalize that as like, oh, there's something wrong with my body or my body right. is bad. My body is wrong because what it desires or how it wants to express um, is there's something like shameful or there's something off about this. And so then an eating disorder is kind of a, a direct or explicit way to, to kind of try to punish the body or um, kind of, like forcibly mold it into something that yeah. is maybe gonna be more acceptable
1: mm-hmm. and then
2: i i think um this idea of like body dysmorphia and the queer community comes back in because then then i think about this like um this ultimate desire for safety and for belonging for us queer folks right and the, we don't get that in our outside world and then we we try to you know, like as little Gabies, we're like joining the queer community and we're seeing all of these different ways that queer people express themselves. But then there are all of these like body and gender ideals within our community that are also different from the straight community. Yeah. Um, So I just yeah, I, I know I'm getting kind of tingled up, but it's so complex for yeah. us as queer folks, because there's like the straight set of rules, right, about what body should be and, and all of that shame there. But we don't necessarily escape that in our community, mm-hmm. because we have like, um, oh, this is what androgynous should look like. So right. if you express yourself um, as an androgynous, you know if that's like how you identify your gender mm-hmm. expression then um you need to look this way in order to like validate that within mm-hmm. the community and i know you know then there's like the shane mccutcheon kind of thing from the l word the like skinny butch androgynous lesbian that everyone mm-hmm. like or i don't know i'm curious too, like what what both of like what you all's experiences mm. with that too or if you like relate to this kind of like body ideal yeah within the queer community
1: yeah absolutely i think that i don't know if i've talked about it on this podcast before but being black and gay and sort of growing up with this picture and idea of what gay is and it's usually white um and usually white nice looking body blonde hair whatever um I don't know, like that was something that for me, I would say throughout high school and throughout parts of college, I had sort of, I don't know, like be okay with being black, if that makes sense. Like be okay with the fact that like my body is different from what this quote unquote ideal is. Um, And it's something that I still experience. I mean, I feel like, You get on something like Grindr or you get on a dating site and there's all these people that are saying, like, no fats, no fems, no whatever race. And all of that is very much so based in an ideal sort of physique or, uh, yeah, like a physique when it comes to being gay. So, I mean, I would say that I run into that pretty often, Mm -hmm. personally.
2: Yeah.
0: I, um, I was... Uh, I'm (laughs) my words aren't working because I am having like 92 thoughts right now (laughs) but um, but, uh, similar to kind of what you're talking about which is like this entanglement right so I'm like flashing back from nine to also yesterday like it's all kind of happening at the same time but um, I want to start maybe chronologically and thinking like I feel like I talked about it before about how I have had a disconnect with my body and I'm like in my adulthood trying to like fall back into it. Um, And finding that it's like, oh, I had no idea that lived there. I guess now that I'm here, I've got to like be conscious of this aching in my back all the time or something. You know what I mean? But um, net positive, I guess. Um, But like uh, right before puberty, in the ways that boys get, um, you know, socialized, it's like, the limp wrist thing, or like sitting with your legs crossed, which are like actions, but there's still things that my body was doing without me thinking about it. Like, I'm not making a conscious choice to limp my wrist like that, you know, or I'm not making a conscious choice to skip versus walk or whatever. I'm just a child enjoying the world and I am living in my body and doing what it wants to do, you know. And then, those kind of first things are those interruptions between what I'm going to do or what I should be doing, and then how everyone else is wanting me to be or whatever and then I think for me puberty kind of hit with those sexual desire stuff that was really confusing and I gained a lot of weight and then so I was like trying to figure out this which I mean is not a good or bad thing but as a kid and growing into high school where every all the other boys especially boys were like you know, kind of buffing up or like uh, slimming down. Even I was like a different shape and a different size, and it was like,
2: yeah.
0: I don't get it. And then there was also the the queerness thing, which is like, uh, just don't look at me. Like, just pl- like I wore, I, I wore like a hoodie for an entire year. I had like two hoodies that I wore for an entire year, and like to the beach. <laughs> like, I just like, you know what I mean. And it's like, it's it's like sad, but it's also like it's what happened, you know, and. Um, And then, you know, flash forward where there's like, oh, an acceptance of my body, an acceptance of my identities that like, you know, uh, there's less of a mental cage when you're allowed to like just move and be and et cetera, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But then really identify with where you are ending around this idea of what does queerness look like, you know? And so, and how are we policing each other in these ways that are harmful and perpetuating the same things that we were trying to get away from, you know? And I feel like a few years ago, I like sort of started slowly coming out of, um, as non-binary and stuff. And then I also understand the way that I'm perceived by the world and like that mental gymnastics sometimes people have to do in order to see me as the way that I see myself. And like, that doesn't, I don't feel super militant about that necessarily in terms of like, I have a level of empathy and understanding of like, yeah, I can look in a mirror too, I get it. And when I look in the mirror, oftentimes I have no idea what's real. Like, that is just true. Like I have no idea what I look like in some ways. (laughs) Like some of that's a defense mechanism of like, I don't want to think about that too long, you know? And then other parts of it are just like, I have throughout my life been so confused about what I should look like. Yeah. And my body's looked a lot of different ways that like I can look in a mirror and see one thing, I'll see a picture and see something else, and then I'll like look down and see something else. I'm just like, I don't I don't know what I look like. <laughs> and that's like such a weird thing to to say and I don't know um maybe I don't have a point either I guess I'm just I'm naming that I'm asking you or was asking you you know why do que- queer people have weird shit with their bodies and then obviously you're naming a bunch of stuff that I'm like oh yeah duh <laughs> I know that <laughs> but it's also just um I don't know I'm I'm wondering like where do we go from there you know like how do we how do we shift how do we shift away from these narratives that don't allow us to just breathe.
2: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I, I sort of think the ultimate answer to this question of, like, why do queer people, why do we all have shit with our bodies, is that, um, is, again, just coming back to the shame and the mm. fact that, like, Shame lives in our bodies, and eating disorders and disordered eating and body dysmorphia is all like shame, trauma, fear, um, and so. And and be, as queer people, we have we experience more shame, and then you add on like being not anything, any race that's not white. You have more shame. You add on like femme, female, like any kind of that it just like piles on. <laughs> yeah. um, and I don't know, I, I don't quite, I don't know how we get out of it, you know? Like I don't mm-hmm. know the pathway out, but I think about um, kind of following that thread of like, something's wrong with my body, I wanna change my body, I wanna like whatever, like wherever that stems from, whether that comes from my queer community or whether that comes from straight community, like whatever if I follow that, if I continue to follow that thread down and like track the beliefs, like, well, why do I want to change my body? Cause if I change my body, then maybe I'll find the partner that I want. We're mm-hmm. like, right. We just keep following that thread down to the core, which I think for most of us ends up at this, like, I'm afraid I'm not worthy mm-hmm. or like, I'm afraid that um, I'm not allowed to take up space in the world mm-hmm. or like my voice doesn't matter or um there's something ultimately wrong with me right like so we figure out like whatever that core thing is and we we work with healing that versus trying to change the body or mm-hmm. shaming ourselves for wanting to change our bodies because there's nothing wrong with wanting that that's just a desire for like safety and belonging mm-hmm. so i i don't know i think that like yeah, that's where we start. Just mm-hmm. kind of like following that down. And I don't know where yeah. we go from there then.
0: Yeah. Um, what do you, what are the, hmm, how do we find the balance, I guess, between, or how do you coach folks on this balance between this sort of, idea of wellness and like you know i know i know i know i I feel that way too but i'm just like you know that there there is this idea that healthy bodies look a certain way not and it doesn't even necessarily mean like fit necessarily right like it could just be whatever that at least culturally it's not skinny and it's not obese right like those are not the the right bodies everything else is fine i guess maybe you know but how do we balance maybe these desires for um, wanting to have a body that will take us longer into life. You know, like, like how do we make sure cardiovascular stuff is working and like our joints are good and all that without it also feeling this pressure around calorie counting and all that kind of thing. Like maybe, does that question make sense at all?
2: Yeah, totally. And I think it's, again, like really complex. Because we don't want to shame folks for having the desire to want to change their body, right? Like again, that's a totally normal desire. Um, Some more basic that I always start with folks is like, is again, looking at the why. Like why do I want to move my body? If I want to move my body um, for joy, for health, for whatever, then that's beautiful. If I want to move my body because I ate dessert last night and I'm worried about gaining weight or if I want to move my body because I want to like punish it in some way or something mm. that then maybe we don't move our bodies today mm. you know so looking or like do I want to go vegan because Beyonce's um, vegan yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> vegan and I do everything Beyonce does um, or or do I does it feel like good in my body to eat like that and and maybe like it feels good good to to treat the earth like that Mm -hmm. but so we're so just kind of like looking at where is this coming from because Mm -hmm. i think we underestimate how unhealthy it is for us to be obsessed with food and how unhealthy it is for us to move our bodies in a way that actually stresses us out and for us to be underfed it like increases our cortisol it it's so bad for us so um, yeah, that, that really coming back to like what's motivating this is, is kind of a key thing that I, I guess I coach people with through um, mostly.
1: Yeah, you bring up an interesting point because I know for a fact that I work out because of the like happiness and joy and sort of the protectant that it gives me from depression. So for me, I've always looked at it as, I'm being like physically fit or going to the gym or whatever because it's gonna create a space for me to be um, happier and to maybe be less depressed. And then there's like a side benefit or the side effect of that is I just happen to have a nice body and that's just what happens. Um, but hand in hand with that, I have sometimes have to sit I've had to sit back and think like, Am I working out because I like don't want to be depressed? Or am I working out because I'm trying to like achieve some standard that like society told me that it needs to be? Um, yeah. And I just think of all of this because my grandmother, who I just saw this past week, made a comment about how she thinks I'm not eating enough, which <laughs> I will That's say, a like, a certain thing. grandma is yeah. like, you would have me eat every hour on the hour if you could. But mm-hmm. um, she said that. And I was just like, wait, am I not eating enough? I don't ever eat breakfast. I never have, but I eat lunch and I eat dinner. Like, what else am I supposed to be eating? Um, So that sort of brings me to my next question, which is, how is somebody supposed to know if they have an eating disorder or not? If it's not something that they're super aware of? Because, I mean, I've been there before where I've had to question, like, am I not eating on purpose or am I just truly not hungry right now? And then it turns into, like, a big mind fuck. So... (laughs) Yeah, that's an wondering. anxiety
0: spiral in and of itself. Is yeah. like the 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 deeper questioning of why am I not eating? But and I think some of that stuff comes too from that body disconnect of like we mm-hmm. all, we don't know how to listen to our body, so we're trying to rationalize whatever we're doing. But I'd love to hear your answer, Lucia.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's so tricky because it's so normalized in our culture. It's so normalized to like. Um, be on a diet all the time or to be like eating you know an absurdly low amount of calories and no one even blinks an eye Um, or to be like working out all the time because you want your body to look like you know x Um, so I (laughs) yeah I just want to name that it's really tricky because Mm -hmm. of how how normal it is in our society and um, I always tell my clients that too you know that like we're teaching where when they come into to eating disorder treatment, we're teaching them something so different than what they're used to. And then we're sending them out into this society that's really sick and has really normalized eating disorder behaviors to the point where like, we don't even think it's a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess, you know, another piece that I want to name is like the reason, one of the reasons, Another one of the reasons why we don't think it's a problem is because we have this view of what an eating disorder is, Mm -hmm. which is so not what it actually is. But it's like this, you know, already thin bodied, um, white, rich, straight, cis woman who becomes emaciated Mm -hmm. because she only wants to eat, you know, like a grape. Yeah. And like that isn't even the majority of people with eating disorders. And so I feel like it's it's such a mindfuck when you, because like that's what you think an eating disorder is. So if you're like, if you're not that, mm-hmm. um, then you're less likely to think you have an, have an issue. Mm-hmm. And professionals are also way less likely to even diagnose you. There are some studies mm. with like black women and white women with exactly the same symptoms and then white clinicians diagnosing only the white women with eating disorders. Oh my God. Where where the black women like had the same, if not worse, symptoms mm, than the white wow. women. So it, it's like it's not a simple answer <laughs> because and it's the- messy.
0: Yeah. And there's a problem with the way that we diagnose and the DSM and like the the qualifications for anorexia versus bulimia versus offset or like these different things. Whereas like one of the qualifiers for anorexia is literally like a BMI measurement and BMI yeah. is just like a useless thing. <laughs> like it's it's like I predict, wasn't it formed by a eugenicist or something like that?
2: I think so. Some, like, French guy in 18-something. I think he was, like, a mathematician or... Yeah, it's so arbitrary.
0: And so it's like, if we're given these... Okay, so we have racism, we have ableism, we have, you know, misogyny that and capitalism that, like, prey on women's bodies, you know? But we also have not clear understanding of what eating disorders even are and then how to seek help or how to potentially alter our habits, you know, at least if we, if we can't alter, you know, how we feel about ourselves, we could at least potentially alter the the amount of intake that we're getting to, to stay alive and well and all those things. But um, yeah, I guess, do you have any insight into maybe how would you define, maybe if we can't define, because it's so messy, what eating, disordered eating is, what is maybe not disordered eating? What is this (laughs) ordered eating? (laughs) Like we've got a food pyramid, I guess, but like there's milk on that thing. I don't know if that's right.
2: (laughs) I think um, it it all comes back to again, what's motivating you.
1: Mm. So,
2: Shawnee, I think you like really perfectly highlighted this kind of fine line between like, okay, well, why am I going to the gym all the time? And then there's like this, well, it helps with my mental health. Awesome. But then like, oh, then sometimes I can like, it's a little bit of a slippery slope. Mm -hmm. And then sometimes I'm like kind of mostly going to the gym because I think my body needs to look a different way or right. Like, um, so yeah just continuing to check in on it like what is my motivation today and am i doing this whatever i'm doing is it coming genuinely from a a place of kindness for myself right like is it coming from like um you know kindness for future shawnee who's not gonna be struggling with depression as much you know next tuesday or whatever yeah or like because I know that um, eating this food is going to make me feel good or because, like, eating cake in this moment is fucking delicious and, like, that's what's going to make me happy. So just, like, continuing to practice coming back to the motivation and, like, checking in with, is this coming from a place of kindness Hmm. for myself and for my, like, my future being?
1: Hmm. That's a good way of putting it.
0: I'm going to sit with that. I really appreciate that. Um, the idea of being kind to yourself is, I think we know that in, in you know, a lot of therapy speak, you know, like, yeah. be nice to yourself, offer yourself, please. But like, when you think about it in terms of intake and moving down from mind into body, I think that's like a really helpful concept. Um, something that I know that you're also, I've seen you post a lot about um, is this idea that there is no real therapeutic intervention without justice at the center of it um and i i would just love to hear maybe some of your thoughts around what that means because i think that like a lot of things especially uh careers or areas of study academia dominated by white people you know like to some extent politics is separate from the thing you know and i think i've seen you be pretty vocal about the fact that like no true healing is gonna happen unless we have a justice-centered lens. And I would just love to hear what you mean by that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and for me, that is also really body-based too. Hmm. Because um, oppression, when when um, it builds up over time, ends up living in our body like trauma, like in exactly the same way that trauma does to the point where there's a lot of research out there that shows that, um, you know, the buildup of microaggressions over time is like literally has the same reaction as um, a lot of, you know, what, like big T trauma. Uh So, so stereotypical PTSD symptoms. Um, And so, I mean, you just can't separate then mental health from our systems. And Mm -hmm. then looking at like the ways in which our, our, our systems oppress most folks in this country and then how that internalizes in each of us and then sort of like twists and gets stuck in our bodies and twists into trauma response and then makes us more susceptible to um, a lot of different physical illnesses and um, more susceptible to then in the future, like if if a big T traumatic event happens to us, we're more likely to then have PTSD symptoms. So it's kind of like this spiral um, that happens to people who are more oppressed in this world. So I just like, it's baffling to me that um, we would try to do therapy without looking at the context that the person's in and looking at like the identities that that person holds and how those identities have, like, are lived and stored in the body. So that, yeah, I mean, that's kind of like a short little spiel. I could go on and on about that. I love it. Um, I, I was part of. Um, I edited a book called "Oppression in the Body," um, which talks a lot about that exact this exact thing that I'm talking about from a bunch of different lenses. So um, we brought in authors from a lot of different identities talking about their bodies' experience of their own identities mm-hmm. and like how they internalized oppressive cultural messages and how those like then lived in their bodies and shaped how their bodies moved through the world.
0: Um, I would love to put up a link to that (laughs) and um that'd be great um can you your instagram is somatic underscore therapist is that right yeah yeah i think that you do a lot of um really great work with like infographic stuff too of just like kind of little blurbs of information that make it digestible but also allow me to think you know and give me space to think but i I really appreciate your page but um shawnee and i talk about this all the time every time we get into a little bit of a concept. I'm like, I literally want to sit here for three days to talk about this, um, so don't <laughs> go anywhere. <laughs> and also, I think we are running out of time, but do you have anything that you wanted to offer that maybe we forgot to touch on or didn't touch on?
2: Um, I don't think so. Okay. I feel like we, we got everything.
0: Good, 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 good. Yeah. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. Let's take a quick break and then we'll come back to take some meds
2: we're almost ready to come
1: back again and we're back um it is time to take some meds our favorite part of the show um you know what i'm gonna go first this time nope i'm not gonna be nice or cordial uh so the thing that is bringing me happiness this week uh was spending time with my family i was in tennessee all of last week uh for family reasons, um, but I got to see a lot of my family, a lot of my little cousins, a lot of my older cousins. I got to go on a road trip with my grandma, um, and then I got to sit in the house with my grandma for like five days straight. And eat
0: and some good stuff.
1: I don't know. It brought me mm-hmm. need some good food. It brought me a lot of joy just reconnecting with that side of my family. It's been a few years since I've been back to Tennessee, since I've seen my grandmother, since I've seen... Um, my cousins and my aunt, so it was nice reconnecting with them. They didn't guilt me on it at all, which was nice. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Family time is fun, I guess. (laughs) I never thought that it could be so fun, but I don't know. It was nice, and then it was also nice just sort of reconnecting with uh, my roots in general. I mean, some of you guys know this. I move around a lot. I've lived in like six different places, but I was born in Tennessee, um, so that will forever be my actual home state. And I think that for a while, I sort of pushed it away from me so going back there last week and reconnecting with that side of me was just nice because it was sort of like um, unlocking a part of myself and I just sort of pushed mm. away for so long.
0: Mm. And I really loved happy. seeing the pictures of um, like your school and your old houses and stuff that you
1: I saw you last night so yeah. that was <laughs> it was really cool to see some of that stuff it's like I was surprised I found my way to all those places just based off of sheer memory and I hadn't See my second house, or the uh, school I went to, L- to kindergarten and first grade and second grade. Since then, so like what age, Whoa. like six, seven, maybe eight. So, yeah, it's all there. It's just like locked in the depths of my brain. Mm-hmm.
0: That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you got to do that. Um, Lucia, what 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 meds are you taking? What's what's making you feel good?
2: Um. <clears throat> so my my wife and I just bought a house.
0: Hey, congrats.
2: I know, it feels <laughs> like a major shock for me. All <laughs> like, holy shit, I have a house? Like, you know, <laughs> it's just so rare, I feel like for us millennials, but mm-hmm. um, that's not even it. So we bought a house and we, we had formerly lived like more in central Denver in an apartment with no outdoor space um, and our house has a yard. And so we have been introducing our cats to the wild which they they had never we got them as kittens in our living in our apartment they're both siblings they're brother and sister and um so my my joy of this week has just been watching them like feel grass on their little paws for the first time ever and like chase a little fly around the yard it's so cute and now they're, like, meowing to go outside all the time. But wow.
0: I'm
2: worried they're going to, like, jump a fence or something. So
0: I know. Okay. You got to keep an eye on those. But that's so cool that they're, like, experiencing that for the first time. And you're, like, watching them discover that. That's <gasps> so cool.
2: It's so cute. It's like watching a baby or something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what are your cat's names?
2: Um, Bellatrix, Harry Potter reference. Mm-hmm. And Carlisle, who's named after... Brandy Carlisle.
0: <laughs> I was gonna guess. I love it. It. I love that so much.
2: Back in my lesbian. Yes. You are
1: <laughs> you are doing lesbians good. I'm just gonna say that.
0: Yes. <laughs> this episode is is for it's for the ladies, for the lesbians. That's this episode for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, for me, honestly, uh, when we I hopped around. I felt like a little bit of like a climate runaway like we were just trying to get away from the nasty air um and then you know last episode re-recorded from the shitty wi-fi at (laughs) the beach so but uh all of that was very nice and refreshing and lovely and i got to reconnect with some folks but honestly coming back and then the next day portland moved from hazardous air to unhealthy air and it was like it felt like a bigger win than that. <laughs> like, it was just like, oh my God, it's fine. I haven't seen a cloud in days. I haven't seen the sun in days. I haven't seen blue sky. I forgot that's what the color is supposed to be, you know? Like, um, that seeing the the weather go back a little bit, not quite to normal, but closer to normal um, was, Great, being able to open up windows and get some circulation in the fart house, you know. So it's like it's really nice. I was really grateful to be able to like you know be outside and not want to die. So uh, that's kind of what is making me feel good. Breathing is always uh, nice. It's important, I <laughs> think. Know? I think it's I think it's you know necessary maybe or Top something. Top ten
1: things you should probably do: breathe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's the homework: is breathe. Yeah. Do you um, have homework for us? Yeah. Speaking of homework, um, hmm. well, let's do this. Homework this week, just because I'm feeling very personal about it. Um, call a family, family member or a friend, somebody that has been on your mind, somebody that just popped into your mind just now when I said that, like, who's the first person that you thought of? Just call them and say hi. Um, you know, we are not given a lot of time on this planet, and things can change for people in- the blink of an eye. So, I just want to encourage everybody to take a second and just connect with your loved ones because mm-hmm. um, they're your loved ones, and you should want to do that. Um, and I think that it's also homework for myself uh, because I tend to not do that. So, yeah, just call a family member, call a friend, call somebody you love, and just say hi. That's simple.
0: Love that. I that feels like a challenge to me right now also. And so I'm like, I'm sitting with the the not wanting to and excited to as well. So um, I'm not because there's, uh, I don't love people, but it's like that those people that are, you should reach out to and maybe there's like something that's kept that from happening for a while, you know?
1: Yeah, I feel like right? it's always one of those, I'll do it tomorrow or I'll do it next. Mm-hmm. Week. I'm notorious for saying I'm gonna call my mom back and then just not doing it for like a yeah. week, so.
0: I'm really similar. And I'm like, I just, I need to get in the headspace. And it's like, am I ever going to be in the headspace? Probably not. <laughs> uh, probably not. Um, thank you um, so much, Lucia, for being here. Um, do you have anything to plug? Where can we find you?
2: Um, yeah, you can find me on Instagram. My Instagram is at somatic underscore therapist. Um, and you can check out my book on Amazon. It's called Oppression and the Body. And yeah, those are the two major places to find me. I don't have a private practice. Right now I work for a treatment center. So okay. those, are, those are the two spots awesome. where I'm at.
0: Thank you so much for coming and offering, uh, so much of your expertise and then getting into some of the weeds with us a little bit and being able to walk away being like, it's fucking complicated, <laughs> but, um, I really enjoyed this rabbit hole that we started to dive into. Um,
2: yeah, me too. Thank you both.
0: Yeah. Um, and it's always nice to, to meet new, you know, queer folks and meet new folks that are, uh, have a heart for this work as well. And it's, and it's really obvious that there is a lot of heartfulness in your work, and I appreciate you sharing that with us. Um, don't forget to check out our recommendations and resources document. We will have links um, to everything that we've been talking about. Um, you can follow us on Instagram and Twitter, at QBTPod. Um, give us a five-star review. Thank you to Marquis and Shanti Dolly for letting us use their music. And big thanks to Ali Kiltz for helping us with Editing. um It's a beautiful day, friends. I think we should go enjoy it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Bye. Mm-hmm.
1: Trying to talk slick all up in my ear and shit. <laughs>